Today we're going to continue our new series called Follow that we started last week. And we've been talking about uh, are we a fan or are we one who follows Jesus? I said last week that 2,000 years ago, Jesus said to 12 men, follow me. They did. And as they did, it changed their lives. And it changed their world. In fact, you read secular history as well as biblical history, and it says the world was turned upside down because of what these 12 men did. So what could the church do today if we really followed Jesus? If we were more than just fans of Jesus, then Jesus, thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for answering my prayer. I love you, Jesus, when you're answering my stuff. What if we were more than fans of Jesus and like those 12 men really began to follow Jesus, what could we do for our city and for our nation and for our world? Wow. Think about that. You see, those two words, follow me, are for every person on the planet, not just the 12 disciples. Jesus has invited you and me to follow him, to really follow him. And that's what I want to talk about today. And it's an invitation to not just believe in Jesus, but to really follow him and his ways. After Jesus said that, he then showed his disciples how to live. He modeled how they're to live their lives. And then he said to them, do as I have done. Follow me. And the one thing I want us to get this morning is that following Jesus requires something. It requires movement, real movement. That means in order to follow Jesus, you and I, we've got to move. Because Jesus always uses words like come, go, obey, follow. So the one who wants to follow Jesus has to start moving and doing what Jesus did. Doing what Jesus commanded his followers to do. For example, look at this scripture, Mark 16, verse 15. In your Bible or on the screen, it says, Go requires movement. Go everywhere in the world and tell requires moving of the lips. The good news to everyone. You got to move if we're going to be able to go and tell. You have to move to go everywhere and tell everyone. So following Jesus requires this moving and this doing to obey his commands that he's given to us. It requires moving and doing if we're going to really change the condition of our world. How many believe this world needs some changing? Amen. Wow. Can you believe how things are slipping and sliding? How fast morally and spiritually things are slipping today? Now, when Jesus said this to his disciples to go and tell, it was physically impossible for them. Most of the world was off limits to them. They couldn't get to Australia. They couldn't get to North America, Latin America. It was off limits. No planes, no ships, no trains to take them there. No Internet, no Skype, no cell phone to communicate there. But today, things have changed. And today, we can go most everywhere. And we can tell most everyone without even leaving home. Because of that, we can go to our world. We as a church can tell the world the good news. We can do what Jesus has commanded us to do. We can go. And we can tell. But how do we start? Well, it's really simple. Write this somewhere in your outline. 
the word available. Just be available. You see, God isn't looking for the most talented people in the world. He's looking for available people. Available. And when he finds them, he uses them to go and tell and help change people for the better forever and ever. Look at what the Bible says. The eyes of the Lord range. Now think about that. What's that mean? It means that the eyes of the Lord are ranging, turning, looking throughout the earth to strengthen those who hearts are fully committed to him. What God is looking for in you is an available heart, a committed heart. And when he finds an available, committed heart, what does God do? Well, the scripture says he strengthens you and he uses you to change people for the better forever and ever. So today I want us to talk about following the heart of Jesus, following the heartbeat of Jesus, because following him starts with your heart. It starts with your heart following his heart. Not just your heart being a fan of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you're awesome. <laughs> but no, it starts with your heart really following his heartbeat. So how can you know and follow the heartbeat of Jesus? I just want to give you a few of those things this morning. So write this down. To follow the heart of Jesus, like Jesus, first of all, be caring. Be caring like Jesus. That's the starting point. Start caring about the things that Jesus cares about, the things that his heart cares about. The Bible says this, be full of love, following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself to God as a sacrifice for you to take away your sins. You want to be like Jesus? Then you're going to have to be sacrificial in your love. You see, it might cost you something to follow his example of caring for others, of loving others. It might cost you something to love others like Jesus loved you and said, Father, let me help them. It might cost you something to be caring toward other people. So what did Jesus love? His this great love, the, the Bible says God is love. What did that love drive him to care about? Well, here are just a couple of things. Write it down. Like Jesus, care about the world. Jesus created every one of us. He gave breath to every one of us. He cares about every person in this world. In fact, the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus. And I love this little two-letter word in this scripture. I love the word so because it so adds meaning to this scripture. You can say to your spouse, I love you. But if you look her in the eyes, guys, and say, I so love you. Whoa. Come on, guys. Your wives are waiting. <laughs> I so love you. That takes your, your love and your communication to a whole nother level. God doesn't just love the world. He so loves the world. And he loves it so much that he's willing to die for every person in this world. And the Bible calls that kind of love compassion. Now, sympathy sees somebody hurting and, 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 and says, I'm sorry that you hurt. 
That's sympathy. But the kind of loving compassion that Jesus has for the world sees somebody hurting and says, I'll do what it takes to stop your hurting. That's compassion. It goes far beyond sympathy. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He loved us and the world so much. He says, Father, let me stop the hurting. I will go take the hurt. And the Bible says over and over that Jesus was moved with this kind of compassion. Folks, those who follow Jesus, those who are more than a fan, but those who really follow Jesus will also be moved with compassion. And they will do what it takes to stop the hurt in people's lives, in our city, in our nation, in our world. The Bible says this, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He wanted to stop the hurt because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to see sheep without a shepherd or not. But I grew up on a farm, you know, and, and I used to help my grandpa Peg. That's, that was his name, Grandpa Peg. And uh, I used to help him, and he had about a 100 head of sheep that he kept all the time. And I can't tell you how many times that Grandpa and I would kind of go out to the gate, and we would look over into the pasture, and we'd see the sheep. How many times that a dog would bark, or a storm was about to come, or the wind picked up. It didn't matter. It didn't take much. How many times they would get freaked out? A simple noise, a simple wind, and those sheep would just freak out. And what do sheep do when they freak out? <laughs> First of all, they huddle together and they just go like this. They just turn and they turn in one big circle. They just keep going in circle. They don't stop. They just keep circling, huddled together as tight as they can go, just circling. They're not made to defend themselves. They don't have sharp claws. They don't have fang teeth. They don't have any way to defend themselves. They're just cuddly little furry sheep and we like their wool. Okay. And so there they are. They're just freaking out. And we're a lot like sheep. And I can't tell you how many times I watched Grandpa Peg in the midst of their freaking out as their shepherd walk right into the middle of their circle and just be when just because he got in the middle of the circle, they started to slow down and then he would speak. And when he would speak, they would get silent and calm and just all looking at their shepherd. And then grandpa would just start walking and he would take him to a place of safety and they would just line up right behind him and they would just follow grandpa to a safe place. We're a lot like sheep. We get harassed by the storms of life. We feel helpless. We don't know where to go. We start freaking out. We just turn in circles we, and we're just going nowhere. We're just spinning our wheels because we don't know where to go to be safe. And we're a lot like those sheep. But you need to know our shepherd cares. And our shepherd comes to us because Jesus has compassion on us. And when he sees us freaking out, Jesus walks into the midst of our storm and he speaks peace to us. Amen. And if we'll just listen, sometimes we won't listen. We just keep freaking out, you know. But if we'll just listen to Jesus, he walks into the midst of our storm and he speaks peace. And then if we'll listen and follow him, he'll take us to a safe place. Jesus looked at the people and he saw that they were harassed and helpless. And, and his heart was filled with compassion for them. And the hearts of those who follow Jesus are to care like Jesus cares for those who are harassed and helpless. 
Man, I walk around our city and I, I go to Costco and I go there. Nobody's smiling. You notice that? Everybody's mad. Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's ticked. People are harassed and they feel helpless. And they're just kind of going through life. But Jesus cares about his world. And he wants us as his church to show that love and care and that compassion. We're to be his hands and his feet. Amen. The God who is love, who is in us, wants us to be his hands and his feet and to show care. Next, like Jesus, then care about the church, care about the world, but then care about the church. See, the church is God's family and there's nothing more important to God than his family. Men, women's mothers, dads, nobody more important than your family. Amen. And same way with God, nobody is more important to him than his family. The reason everything exists is because God wanted a family. He made the universe. He made the planets. He made everything that exists to support the human race because God wanted a family. And he calls the family his church. We are the family of God. And one day, everything else is going to be destroyed, but God's family, the church, will last forever. In fact, the Bible teaches the only thing that will last is the church of God, nothing else. The Bible says this about Jesus. Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Whenever you lose sight of how much Jesus loves you, how much Jesus loves the church, think about the cross that Jesus died on. With his arms outstretched, he says, I love my church this much. I love my family this much. I love my church so much that I'm willing to shed my blood and die for it. When you lose sight, think about Jesus on the cross who willingly said, Father, let me stop their hurt. I love them that much. And then Jesus says, I will build my church. I will build it. What Jesus cares about is building his church, not only establishing his church, but then having his church family expand the church, extend the church to every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Heaven's going to be filled with all kinds of awesome languages. And I always wonder what it's going to be. Carl thinks it's going to be Spanish, you know. I think it's going to be English, you know, but I think God's going to give us a new language that everybody will understand. Amen. And it's going to be awesome. But everybody's going to be there. So God is building his family that will live with him forever and ever. And Jesus says, I'll not only build my church, but all the powers of hell will not be able to defeat it. And all of God's church said, amen. It'll never be defeated. It's going to be the only thing that will last. Now, sometimes the church of God is challenged, it's tested, it looks like maybe we're going down, but whenever you feel that way, you just go read the last chapter in the book of Revelation, and it says that the church of God lasts, and we win, amen? We win. And one day, God's going to part the sky, he's going to come to earth, and he's going to say, church, I'm here, I'm here for you. I've come, you're my family, you've been faithful to me, you've been true to me, you've been loyal to me, you have followed me, I'm here for you. Church, come home. Let's go to the Father's house. Amen? Amen. That's what you've got to look forward to. The trumpet is going to sound, the sky is going to part, Jesus is going to come, the church and his people are going to be resurrected, we're going to be made like him. Oh, say wow with me. Wow. It's going to be an exciting moment when we get to go home with Jesus. But until then, 
He says, church, you're to be about building my church. So if you want to invest in something that will last, join Jesus in building his church, his family. What's that mean? Well, it means, first of all, invest your time. We live in a world that keeps us running. And it's hard for us to cut back our calendars and take the axe out and, and take a hatchet to our schedules. But we got to make time to use our talents and our gifts to build and expand the family of God. We have to make time to move and do what it takes to build and expand his church family. There's a lot of people who don't know yet that God loves them. A lot of people that need love. A lot of people don't know that they can be forgiven for all the stuff they've done. Make time to go and tell and build and expand his church locally and globally. Next, you can invest money. A lot of times we think we we make money to just buy stuff for us. But what if we switched our mentality? What if we make money to make the building of God's church and family possible? What if we make money to make the compassion of God felt in the lives of the poor and the broken and the prisoner and the oppressed? What if we make money to join Jesus in building the only thing that he says will last? And that's the souls of his church, the souls of his family. Cars are nice. Homes are nice. Boats are nice. I know how nice they are. Tech toys are nice. And maybe God will allow us to have some of those things in life. But don't get those things and then neglect using your resources to build the only thing that will last. God's church. Don't get those things and neglect the only thing that God really cares about. His church family. So to follow the heart of Jesus, we got to start caring for the people of the world and his church. To really follow the heart of Jesus, we've got to evaluate where we're investing our time. Where we're really investing our money. To follow the heart of Jesus, we've got to start investing in the things that Jesus cares about. And Jesus says, I care about the world. I care about my church family. And so his followers are to care about the world and his church family as much as Jesus cares. I don't think any of us are there yet. But I think he wants us to to take us there. You know, God has never said, I want 90% of your money and you live on 10%. God's never said that. But he has said, I want you to tithe. I do want 10% of your resources for my church family. And you can have the other 90 Folks, do you, do you realize, I calculated one time, if we all were just really faithful to tithe, we'd have a million dollars of excess every year in our budget. That we'd have to figure out how to help the poor and the blind and the broken and the oppressed and to plant churches. A million dollars of excess beyond our expenses here. Wow. If we just did what God was asking us to do because we cared much about the world and God's family as Jesus cares. So to follow the heart of Jesus, first of all, he, he wants us to be caring. Second, write this down, and you're going you're to shake your head on this. Like Jesus, be apathetic. <laughs> be apathetic. And you're saying, what? What does, that, what does that mean, to be apathetic? Well, it means to be indifferent to the things that Jesus is indifferent to. 
If you're going to follow the heart of Jesus, we've got to become apathetic about the things that Jesus says that don't count. Don't count. That he's indifferent to. Don't care. Write this down, first of all, about impressing people. Don't care about impressing people. You you and I, we've got to decide who we want to impress. Do we want to impress our peers, our parents, our business partners? We've got to decide, I'm not here to impress anybody but Christ alone. Amen? And if we impress Christ alone, we're going to be pretty impressive to other people. But we're here to impress one, and that's Jesus alone. Jesus says, your approval, talking to religious leaders, high mucky mucks, Jesus says, your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. He was apathetic of what people thought about him. He was a follower of one. He followed his father. He says, whatever the father speaks, whatever the father says do, that's what I speak, that's what I do. He was a follower of one. As a follower of Jesus, don't care about impressing others. Care about impressing Jesus. Next, don't care about getting rich. Man, we are schooled all the way through school how to be successful, how to make it, how to get rich. But life is not about getting rich. You know, you can read all the scriptures and you'll never find it on the to-do list, to, to-do list of Jesus. Get rich. <laughs> it's not there. It's not on his to-do list. Jesus said himself, life is not measured by how much one owns. He's saying your life is not going to be measured when you get to heaven and you stand before God. It's not going to be measured by how much you owned on earth. He's saying the greatest things in life aren't things. Life is not about acquiring things. So listen close. You didn't bring any stuff into this world and you're not going to take any stuff out. Amen? I've washed a bunch of caskets. (laughs) Can't get much in there. And even if you do, it's going to rust and rot. You're not going to take anything out. And when you're done playing with your toys, they're all going to go back in the box and then somebody else is going to get the box. It's not going to go with you. So do you really think that God put you on earth to pile up a bunch of toys? Do you really think that God put you on earth to store up a bunch of things that when you run out of room in your house, you put them in your three-car garage, and now you can't get any of your three cars in your garage? Do you really think he put you on earth when you're out of room in your garage to go rent a storage space? And I know some of you are doing this. And you pay 100 bucks a month, 200 bucks a month to store things that you can't even get in your garage, let alone get in your house. Do you really think he put you on earth to store up a bunch of things to pamper yourself with, but then you store them and you don't even pamper yourself with them? Come on. Is that all that life is about? To store up stuff we don't even use. Life is not about things. It's about a relationship with God. It's about a relationship with other people who don't yet know God. So God says, don't worry about the temporary stuff. You're not going to take it with you anywhere. Don't worry about the storing up of things. Look at this. Jesus says, don't get preoccupied or worried with having enough, having enough to eat, having enough to drink, or having enough to wear. That's what unbelievers do. But your heavenly Father knows what you need. Instead, be concerned, first of all, with God's kingdom. That means his church, his commands, and what has his approval. Like, I approve you to go and tell then all these other things that you need will be provided for you. So God is saying, I know what you need, so I'll make you a promise. If you'll make following me, following me, your priority, 
Instead of following your earthly desires to get more and more stuff, and instead of following others to get their approval, I'll provide all that you need. I'll provide. He makes us that promise. And I found that to be true in my life. When it looks like there's no way that God can provide, there he is again and again and again providing. To follow the heart of Jesus, be caring, be apathetic about the things that Jesus says don't really count. Like getting rich, all of those kind of things. And then third, like this, be angry. You're saying again, what? I thought being angry was a sin. Well, the wrong kind of anger is a sin, but there's a right kind of anger. There's a righteous anger. In fact, the Bible says be angry without sinning. You can be angry without sinning if it's the right kind of anger. Now, the wrong kind of anger is based on our selfishness. When the focus is all on you. If you get angry when somebody hurts you or frustrates you or scares you, that is the wrong kind of anger. It's all about you and how you feel. But the right kind of anger is based on love. The focus is on others. If you get angry when you hear, like I said last week, that two million girls are being sold into sex trade every year, that is the right kind of anger. That is a righteous anger. And that is the kind of stuff that makes Jesus really mad. And Jesus does get mad. You know that? Once he got so mad, he threw furniture. You remember the story? He threw furniture. When he saw the religious leaders had turned God's house into some kind of flea market from a place that was supposed to be to seek God to a place that was seeking a prophet, he got so mad that he threw out the vendors, he flipped over their furniture, he cleaned out God's house. Now, most of you have trouble having an image of an angry Jesus in your head or in your heart. But there are some things that Jesus gets angry about and we need to get angry about. Here's a couple things. Care about neglected children. When children are neglected, God gets angry. When they're mistreated, when they're abused, when they're neglected, God gets mad. They are part of what he hopes to someday be his family. The Bible says this. People brought children to Jesus hoping they might he might touch them. In other words, that he might give them a blessing. But the disciples scolded them like, get out of here. And when, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. means he was ticked. The Bible goes on and said, he said, don't push these children away. Don't you ever get between them and me. These children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. Jesus goes on in the book of Matthew chapter 18. He says, anyone who causes the downfall of one of these little ones, it would be better to be thrown into a sea with a giant millstone hung around his neck. Jesus is saying, don't you dare hurt a child. Don't you dare neglect a child. Don't you dare build your career at the expense of your kids. Don't you dare leave them without leading them and teaching them and praying with them. Don't you dare lead them astray by some ungodly example. God is saying that kind of stuff ticks me off. It makes me angry. And that should make you and me angry when we see that. And that's why our church has a ministry to children that we make a priority. We want to care for every child in our, in our church family. We want to help parents. We want to help you with your children. The Bible says Jesus loves the children and so should we. Amen? Amen. Next, care about ignored sufferers. 
Suffering people that are being ignored. Be angry when, when people turn their back on people that are in long-term suffering. Jesus says, woe to you because you have loaded down people with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourself do not even lift a finger to help them. Last week, I shared that three billion people in the world live on less than two dollars a day. One billion people in the world live on less than one dollar a day. What are we doing to help them? Every day, 30,000 children die from a preventable disease as simple as diarrhea. That means that every week, 240,000 kids are dying from a disease like diarrhea, as simple as that is to cure in our culture. And why is that? Because we don't have enough Jesus followers who are angry enough to say, that's enough. We're going to have the kind of care and compassion of Jesus where we're going to stop this kind of thing. We don't have enough Jesus followers who are angry enough to say, I'm going to stop buying just more and more and more stuff from me and storing up more and more stuff from me and spending money on storage fees for my stuff. And instead, I'm going to help my church care for suffering people like Jesus cares for those who suffer. I'll no longer ignore those who are suffering. And listen, the, the, the amazing news is this. We don't have to create some new awesome ministry to help people that are suffering. All we have to do is link arms with ministries that are already doing an awesome job at relieving suffering around the world. In our city, in L.A., in Haiti, whatever country you want to name, there are awesome groups relieving suffering. And we can link arms with them. We can make a difference right here in our world. And we can make a difference, but that's not going to happen until we get angry about the suffering of others who are being ignored. Now, there's some things in life that should make us angry, like, Children being neglected and suffering people being ignored. And when you get angry about the things that are worth getting angry about, and when you make yourself available to do what God is calling you to do about them, God will use you. He'll come along and supernaturally strengthen you to make a difference in somebody's life. He'll use you to change your world. So to follow the heartbeat of Jesus, be caring, be apathetic about what he's apathetic about, be angry what he's angry about, and last, write this down, be sacrificial. Sacrificial. Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the amazing thing. If you will make the switch from living for yourself to living for Jesus and living to follow his agenda and the things that he cares about, if you will make that switch, your happiness meter will just go off the chart. I guarantee it. Your happiness meter will go off the chart. Why? Because God has wired you to serve. God has made you to serve like Jesus who came to serve. So when Jesus is in you, he's wired you to serve. Amen? And when you begin to serve, you're going to find greater happiness than you have ever known. When you sacrifice your time, your money, and your energy to serve somebody that's in hurting, a hurting condition, the result is real happiness and joy begins to flood your soul. When you sacrifice to serve others, God's supernatural energy begins to kick in and you feel like you could serve forever. I've watched it many, many times on different mission trips in different countries around the world. But especially, we just came back a bunch of guys from, from Juarez and guys were digging ditches over their heads. And they were digging and, and just... In, in little skinny trenches and they just kept going like the energizer bunny they were just so excited because god has wired us to serve and they didn't quit it got dark they didn't quit they just kept serving and serving 
Because God's supernatural energy kicks in. And some of you say, well, I've never felt that. Well, maybe the question is, have you ever sacrificially served? If you really get out of your comfort zone and begin to serve God sacrificially, to care and love for people the way Jesus does, that's when his empowerment kicks in. And that's when you feel the touch of God. Jesus says it like this. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, if you sacrifice it for something greater than yourself, if you give up your life for my sake, for Jesus, and for the sake of the good news, if you go and tell, you will find true life. Follow the heart of Jesus. And that's when you'll find that true and abundant life. To follow the heart of Jesus, be caring, be apathetic, be angry, be sacrificial. How do you do that? How do you follow his heart? First you go. You find some place to go, help, serve, heal. And maybe some of you are saying, I can't physically go. Well, maybe you can pay for somebody to go. Maybe you can send your prayers on ahead of them. You can go through prayer. You can go through sending your funds. Second, you tell. You tell somebody the good news that you have found in Jesus Christ. You go everywhere possible. You tell everyone possible about Christ. That's the mission of the church. Third, you give sacrificially like Jesus sacrificed himself to help you. Out of your resources, out of your time, out of your money, you go and you help God's church help others. The Bible says this, tell people to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need. Always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. And by doing this, They will store up. Here's where you store. They will store up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they'll be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. So how do you start following the heart of Jesus? You go. You tell. You give. And God says in Psalm 2.8, If you'll just ask me, I will use you to change the world. You Want God to use you? You want to feel the supernatural and power of God flow through you? Go somewhere. Tell somebody. Give something. And you can help change your world. If you'll just make yourself available and invest in the in the only things that will last, which is people, God will use you to make an eternal difference in people's lives. If you'll fully commit to follow the heart of Jesus, being caring like Jesus, being indifferent towards the things that Jesus is indifferent to, by being angry about the things that Jesus is angry about, he will use you to change lives for eternity. So church, I want to close by just saying a few simple things. And here it is. It's time. For us as a church to really commit to Jesus, not just be a fan when he's doing great things and answering prayers, comforting our hearts. It's time to commit to follow Jesus. It's time to commit to Jesus. It's time to build the church with Jesus. And it's time to follow the heart of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. If you're willing to do that, would you pray this prayer as I prayed in my heart? Repeat it in your heart. Let's, let's bow our heads. Father, right now, I ask that you forgive me for how selfish I can get. Today I surrender myself 
and my stuff to you. I place it all in your hands. Lead me and I will follow. Help me invest in helping my church help others. Today I choose to go where you lead me. To tell others about you as you lead me. And to give help to your church. To help others. As you lead me. I am choosing to follow you. And to care like you. Father. Help us to be a church. That gets outside of itself. Help us, Lord, to get outside of our homes and into our neighborhoods. Help us to get rid of stuff we really don't need and invest it in your kingdom. Help us to be open to the nudgings of your Holy Spirit when we're next to somebody in the coffee shop and we sense you nudging us to begin a relationship as we can see the hurt in their eyes. Father, help us to be the church that gets outside of ourselves with the love and the care and the compassion that you've already demonstrated to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.